0: We all know that carbs are bad, right? I mean, we've been hearing that for years. Carbs are bad. They make you fat. They're going to, oh, I mean, it's like stay away from carbs, right? Wrong not with every carb though. Some carbs may be better or worse. We're going to talk about one that's you've probably never heard of that could be the best carb you've never heard of on today's episode of the movement movement, the podcast for people who want to know the truth about what it takes to have a happy, healthy, strong body. Normally we start feet first because those are your foundation, but you know, your gut is also your foundation. So that's why we're diving into that today. I'm Stephen Sashin from ZeroShoes.com. your host of the movement movement, where we break down the propaganda, the mythology, sometimes the outright lies that you've been told about what it takes to have a happy, healthy, strong body when you're, whether you're running, walking, hiking, doing yoga, CrossFit, hanging out with your friends, whatever it is you like to do. Uh, And we want you to do that enjoyably and efficiently and effectively. And did I mention enjoyably? I know I did because it's a trick question because the simple thing is look, if you're not having fun, do something different until you are, we call it the movement movement because we're creating a movement about natural movement, helping people realize or rediscover that do letting your body do what's natural is the better, obvious, healthy choice. The same way we talk about natural food. And we're going to be talking about food today so also that movement part uh the first part of the movement or maybe the second part i don't know which involves you nothing complicated doesn't cost anything just spread the word if you believe that letting your body do what's good for you by letting it do what's natural is better tell people you can come to our website www.jointhemovementmovement.com find all the previous episodes all the places you can interact with the podcast all the places you can share youtube and facebook and instagram and all those where you can give us a thumbs up or like or hit the the subscribe button on YouTube. I mean, you know how the drill. If you want to be part of the tribe, please subscribe. And of course, if you're looking for awesome, super comfortable shoes, so lightweight and comfy, you might fall asleep still wearing them because you forgot they had that you had them on, not because you passed out drunk, although that may happen too, uh, then check out zeroshoes.com So that's the prelude. Let's get started with something super fun. Um, Peter Kaufman, do me a favor, say hello, tell people who you are and what the hell you're doing here. <laughs> hi, Steve. And, and hi to all the
1: people in the movement. Great introduction, by the way. Yeah, I do Um, what I can. We've been kind of pushing toward a movement of our own for a number of years. And that movement, as you had mentioned, has to do with food and nutrition. Our company has something unique in the space of nutrition. It's unique in the world. It's unique to our company. It has some unique characteristics. And we're all about allowing bodies to do what they naturally want to and should do. And we enable that with our food technology, our very special carbohydrate, which I can tell you more about.
0: Well, yes, say more. So that was all a wonderfully tangential circumventing the actual thing. So you guys have, I mean, this is going to sound crazy, but when we met, you said something that I thought was fascinating. You invented a new carbohydrate, one that's actually and I'm not going to say that all carbs are bad. I'm a high carb kind of guy. Sprinters, we all tend to be that way. But in the in the zeitgeist right now, is that carbs are bad. That's not the important argument. The cool argument or the cool point is that you guys invented a new kind of carbohydrate that has a whole different set of properties. That for people who think carbs are bad um, and people who have issues with carbs medically, this is a a game changer. So dive in if you would.
1: Yeah, I appreciate that. So we have a carbohydrate, which we have named because it's unique to us and to our company. We call it Superstarch. It was developed for a very specific, unique purpose, which is why it has such unique qualities uh, or characteristics. And as we'll get into it, you know, you have to have carbs I mean, you have to have an energy. You have to have an energy source in your life. But we address some of the negative aspects of carbohydrates uh, very, very nicely. So our, our Superstarch was developed originally to help children with a very rare disease. Called glycogen storage disease one of my co-founders there are four of us that founded the company a number of years ago has this disease jonah has glycogen storage disease uh, he's uh david feldman's son and the way it manifests itself it's a genetic disorder that inhibits the production of an enzyme in the body specifically in the liver that converts glycogen to glucose so when all of us eat something including jonah it breaks down immediately into glucose blood sugar it gets stored in the liver, converted and stored in the liver as glycogen. And then when we need to fuel our bodies, it's converted back from glycogen to glucose, to blood sugar to fuel our bodies. For these kids, they can't, they can't convert it back. It just gets stuck in the liver. They have no way to fuel their bodies uh, the way the rest of us normally would. It's a very rare disease. Uh, only 3000 kids are estimated to have it in the country, about 30,000 in the world. And before the seventies, because these kids couldn't fuel their bodies and this disease wasn't as well understood as it is today, they none of them survived in
0: infancy. Oh my gosh!
1: But it was discovered in the '70s that if these children would eat plain cornstarch—stuff you buy in the supermarket—you bake it to a cake, that it would convert to glucose, to blood sugar, outside the liver, feed directly into the bloodstream, and do so slowly enough to keep these children alive for two to three hours. So the routine from these kids from birth is to be fed. As they get older, they they eat cornstarch, plain cornstarch, eight to ten times a day. And if they miss one dose, they go into hypoglycemic shock and they don't live. So they never, throughout their lives, can can miss a dose. To keep the short story relatively
0: short, (laughs) I mean, in 2009,
1: when Jonah was seven years old, he actually got eight hours of a livable level of blood sugar, and was and he and his parents were able to
0: sleep through the night for the first time in his life. Well, to be clear, wait, you left out a sentence in the middle of that. So that's after developing superstars, yes. Sorry, using super starch. Jonah yeah. was able
1: to sleep through the night for the first time in his life. That's right. It gave him eight hours of a livable level of blood sugar instead of just two
0: to three. And was this by doing the similar process of the cornstarch would do where the where the glucose is, tra- well, basically it's bypassing the liver. Let's do the short version of that.
1: That's right. It feeds directly into the bloodstream, but it does it in a very slow time release manner. And that was let him, what allowed him to live longer than he otherwise would with plain cornstarch
0: which is amazing. Um, God, there's so many places I want to go with this. So obviously, or not too surprisingly, uh, I'm guessing that, you, that this is a product that other people who have this disease are also now using, yes?
1: They are. Um, they are. Kids, kids with this disease are using this across
0: the world. Amazing. Now for, for people who don't have this disease, you know, most people think about eating carbs uh, the way it's presented is, you know, the problem with carbs is it spikes your blood sugar and then insulin kicks in and then your blood sugar drops. Then you get super hungry. Then you have to eat again. This is leading to obesity because you're overeating. <laughs> There's again, arguments to be made about that, but that's not the important part. The important part is the sort of spike phenomenon, which is true. Like I had a, a blood glucose test in a hospital as part of a study where they literally injected like 150 grams worth of plain sugar for all practical purposes, right into my bloodstream. My uh, blood sugar leveled about 150. Then they hit me with a half a unit of insulin. And 10 minutes later, I'm down at 35 and I tap out. And what was fascinating, um, and they started feeding me, you know, orange juice and just high carb foods. I was ravenously hungry for almost a week. I mean, it really, really messed with my brain. Wow. Yeah, it was crazy. Like the first three days, insane. I just couldn't stop eating. But the next four days, I was still like super, super hungry. My brain had just like gotten the hint. Something very bad was happening here. Never let that happen again. So, but that was in a medically controlled situation. But again, most people get that spike and talk about what Superstarch does or doesn't do for people, for let's call them, for lack of a better term, normal people.
1: Right. So, so. What it turns out it does, and it took us quite a while to figure this all out, back it up with science, do a lot of testing on ourselves, and then we paid to have a clinical trial conducted at the University of Oklahoma, and then we sent out samples to sports dietitians and strength coaches with pro and college teams. And over a period of about two and a half years or so of that testing process, we found out that the super starch, in fact, keeps anyone's blood sugar remarkably stable for hours. And then the implications go to all the things you were just kind of getting at. Uh, one, your energy doesn't uh, drop when your blood sugar doesn't drop. So you're literally less fatigued as you get further into your exercise. Two, you're not starving because normally when you get that spike followed by that crash, as your blood sugar is coming down, you start to get hungry because your brain tells your body, this is not a scientific term, but it tells your body it's time to eat again. Your blood sugar's low and that's what causes cravings. So we help with those cravings. We help people not be starving at the end of a workout and eat twice as many calories as just burned off which for the average person is quite self-defeating when the, yeah. most of us are working out often just, you know, just to keep our light, weight in check or, or to drop a few pounds. And then that there's, there's one other, um, it's a little more subtle issue that goes to the science you were describing um, around insulin. Your body normally when it's when your blood sugar goes up, insulin is produced in the pancreas to bring it back down. Uh, but insulin has a second function in the body. It's a storage hormone. It tells the body to store fat. It's one of the most sensitive hormones in the human body. So even a little insulin stops your body from do, doing what it normally would like to do and normally would do, and that is use fat as a fuel source. Because we don't have that insulin response or almost no insulin response to the super starch because there's no spike in blood sugar for the pancreas to react to, you burn on average about 50% more fat calories while exercising if you've had UCAM before you start compared to having a simple carb, whether it's a sports drink, a cliff Bar, or a Kind Bar, or a banana. I often kind of joke around and say the banana is our biggest competitor. But I will tell you, that was that was brought home to me when I visited the Miami Dolphins uh, about a year and a half ago. And their sports dietitian told me when he introduces UCAN to a new athlete that hasn't been exposed to it before, he holds a banana in one hand and a serving of UCAN in the other. And he says, see these two things? Same number of calories. You eat this one, you're going to be tired and hungry in 40 minutes. You eat this one, you won't be tired or hungry in two hours. So that brought home the banana for me.
0: Yeah, that's a good sales pitch. Now, just to be clear, um, so you mentioned the name of the the company and the product is UCAN, U-C-A-N. Um, and, um, yeah, (laughs) I think, um, you know, it's really important to give people really easy to grasp. Um, metaphors. And when you have a physical one, like banana versus you can, that's a great one. Now, um, but there's, again, I have so many questions, but I want to um, get to this one. Talk about how this is different than resistant <clears throat> starch, which has been getting more attention lately. In fact, I saw a book about resistant starch, maybe 15 years ago, and it struck me as so utterly ridiculous. The idea being that you could take potatoes or pasta, and there's a way of eating these things where you're not going to get the same insulin response that you do, that the carbs were somehow magically transformed and, some different form just by letting them basically heating them up, then cooling them. Um, And I literally completely dismissed this because this book came out maybe, eh, actually maybe even longer than that, Um, probably 10 years before resistant starch got enough popularity that people actually took it seriously. Um, So for anyone who does know about it, I'd love for you to talk about the difference. And for anyone who doesn't, if you want to elaborate on what I just said as an intro, that would be super helpful.
1: So The way we're similar to a resistant starch is we resist digestion. Resistant starches don't digest. They pass through like fibers and it does come through a cooking process applied to certain carbohydrates. The reason it took us, it took almost eight years to fully develop this, uh, we have a patented cooking process that's applied to a specific type of non-GMO corn. That's our starting ingredient. We get it from one source for GMOs it gets cooked in such, it took, took eight years to develop this process and, and scale it for commercial purposes. Well, it turns out it is a cooking process like there is a cooking process applied to resistant starches. But the key was the subtle and most important difference is our carbohydrate had to resist digestion, break down slowly, but break down virtually completely to right. so we'll allow Jonah to get the eight hours of energy. You get no energy from resistant starches. Jonah wouldn't live 15 minutes on a resistant starch. It just passes through. It doesn't break down. So... It is our very specific uh, cooking process that changes the molecule, does it completely naturally because the, un- the understanding of the premise up front was don't do it unless it could be completely natural because the only intended users were kids and babies with a disease. So there's no chemicals. There's no enzymes. It's literally a cooking process that, that involves heat and moisture in a very subtle way. Applied to this specific type of corn that produces the super starch, gives you the characteristic of Uh, time released glucose into your system, energy over time, steady and slow. And yet, and then it breaks down, you know, virtually completely, as I said, compared to resistance starts doesn't break down.
0: So I'd love for you to talk about how people are, are using this, especially if they are exercising, doing any sort of endurance activity. Now, bef- before you do that, I have to confess and say something sort of best backwards. So as a sprinter, um, sustained energy is not my thing. Not something that happens, I'm all ATP, and basically I go all out and then I'm done. In fact, I was at a track meet yesterday, had, you know, 20-minute warm-up, and then I ran for 13 seconds. That was it. I was, I was done. So um, in playing with UCAN, it's not something where I've noticed a significant difference, certainly in performance, because I'm just not uh, processing energy the same way. I'll say two things, though. This stuff tastes great. So the different products you have taste amazing. My wife, who has hypoglycemic issues, is using the the gr- granola, basically, as part of her breakfast and sustains her longer than anything else. Um, the energy bars you have taste Awesome. Um, I have gotten into a habit lately of having oatmeal for breakfast and I'll throw a couple of scoops of the powder into my oatmeal. Same thing. I'll have, you know, that for breakfast, half a cup of dried oats and then um, a scoop or so of what uh, of you can. And maybe I'm hungry again. I'm doing that around, you know, 738 o'clock and then maybe I eat again around one or so. So I definitely notice an effect just in my normal daily life, not performance life. Um, but I really want to highlight the taste part in part because look, it's a carbohydrate. It's basically, it's a form of sugar, if you will. And so the things that you make taste splendid. How many times do I have to say how good it tastes?
1: <laughs> well, we, don't, we don't actually put, um, uh, we put either very, very small amounts or no sugar in our product. No,
0: I'm not saying no. that yeah, there's added sugar. I'm saying, I mean, a carbohydrate, you know, part of the taste is the sugar feeling, um, even though it's not sugar that you're using in the product. Yeah,
1: but in fact our superstarch doesn't have any taste. There's no sweetness. Really? To it. Yeah, there's none at all. Oh man. That's, right. That's what a- I was getting at. So we're using zero calorie sweeteners like allulose
0: and erythritol oh, okay. and, then never, then and monk it, fruit extract. Got it. Then ignore the ignore the superstarch version of the taste. Yeah, we, ha- we have we have to actually have stuff we've, tastes had right.
1: to, we've had to work to overcome that kind of chalkiness. It has no taste per se. Right. But because it's a starch, there's a chalkiness and we've always have to over, had to overcome that with some uh, ways of producing decent taste and sweetness.
0: Interesting.
1: We sell the super starch by itself, by the way. I mean, you can just toss it into yogurt or, or mix it into any smoothie and get better satiety and better energy from any smoothie you might have. And then using this, the the version, you know, that's just super starch, no, no added uh, flavor or sugar or or, sorry, sweeteners is, is fine and good But by itself. If you have it. So, so, so if you take a scoop of plain super starch with water, you're just drinking chalky water. I've got a few Olympic wrestlers that like to do it, and I actually do it myself in the in the vein of um, – you remember the movie Rocky where he had the uh, dozen yeah, – eggs. eggs. Yeah. I think of myself as kind of Mr. You Can, so I feel obliged to just take plain super starch. I mix it with just four ounces of water. I shake it up quite violently so it all disperses, and I drink it all as a shot before I go out and swim.
0: I think, I think the better analogy is from heaven can wait, which came out when I, I must have been out about 16 or so. So Jesus, 42 years ago, 43 years ago. Um, And this is when I was an all-American gymnast and my gymnast friends, you know, we were always like trying protein powders and things, which by the way, in the mid seventies tasted horrible. And, uh, and we're watching that movie and in uh, Heaven Can Wait, they talk about having a liver and whey milkshake, which is the most oh. disgusting sounding thing I can think of. And yet m- I'm watching this with my other gymnast pals and we look at each other and go, oh, we should try that. I can't believe, you know, I just realized I'm shocked that I haven't just taken it straight because I'm totally the kind of guy who would do that. And it never occurred to me to for some silly reason. So needless to say, tonight when I get home, I will be doing that.
1: I recommend it as a shot with four ounces of water, not, not oh,
0: 10 ounces. Oh, no. Well, no. Yeah, yeah. Um, I would do that. But I'm also gonna, just going to you know try some straight, which, of course, I'm having flashbacks to, um, to cornstarch, which cornstarch is the secret ingredient. And this would be hysterical if Superstarch could do the same thing. Cornstarch is the secret ingredient for the best oven fries you can possibly make. Want to know the secret? Yeah,
1: please. Okay. Sure. Yeah, yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I'm all about the food. I'm so, thinking about fries with you, can now, but go ahead. Yeah. 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 Well, so here's the recipe. I got this from America's Test Kitchen. And the gist of it is you take three tablespoons of cornstarch, mix it with three quarters of a cup of water, heat it in the microwave, like in 20-second doses till it becomes kind of pudding-like texture. And then you coat the potatoes in that. And then I'm abbreviating dramatically. And then you put that in the oven. And so a little bit of oil on the pan so that they don't stick. But what happens is the cornstarch makes a super crispy. The exterior and the potatoes just cook perfectly like mashed potatoes in the inside so you have to try the superstarch version of that okay you won't get the superstarch effect right. when you do that just to let you know oh,
1: it's not it's the heat superstarch um it's created with a heat moisture process so too much heat and moisture applied to it okay. breaks it back down and, and re- reduces significantly its efficacy although i and but while i say that uh, I don't have it right here next to me, but I have uh, in the lab, if you will, we may we may come out with this as a product in the next few months, cookies that can be baked, a cookie mix that you can Brilliant. bake. Super starch. And because the moisture level is so low, it's more like a shortbread, It we put it under the microscope and the super starch survives. But the way you described that, putting it in the oven for that long and mixing that much kind of equal parts, water, and superstar probably wouldn't survive from an efficacy perspective, but I don't think that's the purpose in french
0: fries. No, but, but, now, but now that now you'll have to try the french fries. And if you if you discover that they're amazing, it will give you a new product to work on.
1: Well, <laughs> yeah. It <will>. yeah
0: sure <laughs> so, so you anyway. asked me
1: how the product's being used, yeah. and you talked about how it might not be applicable to sprinters. I will tell you that um, almost all athletes including as an example i don't know how sprinters train maybe your training is only 20 minutes a day but uh there's a swimmer right now he's going to be in the olympics named michael andrew and michael is um a world-class sprinter he has a good chance to medal in one or more swimming events but they'll all be 50s maybe 100 maybe he's even doing a 200 this time he was the first swimmer in history to qualify for the finals in all four strokes in 50 yards in the world championships. They don't have all those uh, yard, uh, they don't have that in every stroke in the Olympics. But anyway, my point is he's a sprinter. Yeah, He happens to be extremely unusual. He's on a keto diet. That's not many not many swimmers on keto diets.
0: Uh, Well, and I don't know any sprinters who are. In fact, the first you know, someone put me on a keto diet as an experiment, and after two weeks, I called this guy's a big deal nutritionist, and I called and I said, I set him up. I said very excitedly, "Dude, I just did something in a workout that I've never done before." He said, "Oh, what was that?" I said, "Bailed out because I couldn't get off the ground." (laughs) It's like, and he said, "Oh, you maybe you just need to adapt." I went, "No." Um, I literally don't know any high ranking or, you know, highly competitive sprinters who are not eating carbs. I mean, it's again, ATP is what fuels getting from the starting line to the finish line. Um, and you don't get that when you have no carbs.
1: So a couple of comments about Michael Andrews. So one, he's still swimming It's fascinating. You know, a number of hours a day, despite the fact that his events are sprints. So you right. need, you're you kind of extremely helpful for training when you're training for hours, even well, if you it. don't you get to run 13 seconds.
0: Yeah. No, I mean, like running um, track sprinters, our training is, you know, it's a fraction of that with tons and tons of rest in between. Because basically you just do an, a, a quick exertion and then you rest to get, let your ATP restore and then you just repeat. But you can't, you can't put the same kind of effort in on the track that you could swimming simply because it's just too much pounding. It's just too much force. And I mean, my favorite thing is I can train as hard as I want, and maybe I'll be a little sore the next day. I ran for 13 seconds yesterday and I won't be able to do anything until, you know, for two more days. So there's a whole different neurological hormonal thing that happens when you're competing. It's the difference between walking up to, you know, pick up after your dog and being chased by a lion. So uh, it just does a whole different thing in your whole nervous and endocrine system when you're competing.
1: But anyway. But then the other thing I wanted to point out, which is really points out how different our superstarch, starch, our carb, carbohydrate is, hmm. is that Michael Andrew is using this with his keto diet and he stays in say. ketosis
0: That's because,
1: because the insulin response, again, is so low. The insulin response to our carbohydrate, to our superstarch, starch is actually lower than the insulin response to most proteins. And many people, sure, sometimes you come out of ketosis when you have certain proteins, but you don't always. And so right. most people stay in ketosis when they use our uh, super starch.
0: That is very- And it
1: takes care of the energy deficits that you experience when you're on a keto diet. Right. So you're absolutely right. You have to have carbs for exercise, but we are a mechanism for you to in fact have carbs. And and if you'd like, still be on a low carb diet.
0: (laughs) That is totally- So we're
1: kind of the carb for low carb diets, even though we're a carb. In fact, our science, our head science advisor since the beginning of the company, well before we had products, is Dr. Jeff Volick. He's out of Ohio State University. He's one of the top keto researchers on the planet, but he's our head science advisor. He's been the head of the Atkins Science Advisory Board for over 20 years, but yet he's our head of science, even though we're a carb. And That's because he felt we had significant implications for diabetes, and that's why he uh, actually joined us.
0: So, most of the people who are using this, I'm mean, obviously the handful of people who have actual issues, the athletes who are seeing the benefits from it, you know, what's happening with with adoption beyond that? i mean how the the most obnoxious way I can ask this question is how has this not become unbelievably popular given everything we've just talked about?
1: So two different questions. first, I'm going to go back to the one you asked and you just uh, added to, which is how is this being used? Okay, okay so I'll give you a rundown on how it's used or how it can be used, and then I'll tell you why it's still the uh, it's still we're still under the radar. Yeah. um so. We've got 21 NFL teams, 39 pro teams in hockey and football and, ba- uh, 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 and basketball buying the product from us, over 400 college teams at 65 to 70 schools. They're all buying it. We're not giving it away like Gatorade and Muscle Milk and other companies. And they're buying it because it works. So they're using it with you know elite athletes. And those athletes, the benefits they're getting are, one, they just aren't as fatigued as they get further into their exercise. A conversation I have when I, when I meet a new NFL strength coaches imagine coach if the last 20 to 30 minutes of every workout every practice and, and weight room workout over an entire season was significantly higher quality with your athletes think about the level of fitness improvement you could achieve over a season so that's that's one that's the most obvious benefit you have this beforehand ideally 30 to 60 minutes before but because uh, it's slowly absorbed and then you get a better second half of your workout certainly a significantly better uh, last part of the workout second important to most athletes at some point, but not all athletes all the time. Hockey players are often trying to put weight on, is this issue of you're just not starving at the end of the workout. We're having a lot of traction right now. We've done a deep dive in wrestling over the yeah. past four months. We've already, just in that four months, we have six members of the Olympic wrestling team that'll be wrestling on UCAN when they go to Tokyo. We've got all kinds of top uh, wrestling uh, schools now and and um, clubs that are starting to use UCAN. Weight classification sports, it, that, that whole that whole issue of not being starving at the end, helping you fill the deficit, the energy deficit when you're weight cutting in wrestling, all just really uh, important uh, applications and uses for UCAN. And then we've also had the third thing besides the um, uh, satiety and, and the better energy in the workout is we've seen strength coaches and sports dietitians, again, pro college teams, specifically use UCAN to change their athlete's body composition. Think of, um, think of a high school football player that joins a college team. First thing they want to do is put on 30, 40 pounds of mass. Right. If you're burning on average 50% more fat calories in the weight room while you're putting on that mass, you end up with a better distribution of, of muscle and, and uh, fat at the, end of, at the end of that time period when you put on that weight, that mass. So so those are, those are uses for, for athletes. Uh, and the last thing to mention, very important for runners, perhaps the number one reason runners start using that product before they learn often about these other benefits is we generally don't cause gastric distress. We're really easy on the stomach. The scientific reason for that is our molecule is so large. It's about 4,000 times larger than a sugar or glucose molecule. Large molecules leave the stomach quickly. Small molecules sit in the stomach. Osmotic pressure that draws water in. You have a lot, of, you can have bloating and, and different issues with, um, with your stomach. We leave the stomach so quickly, large molecules exit the stomach quickly that we're not in the stomach to bother it essentially. So, Yeah, there's two or three people out of every hundred that any food is going to bother somebody's stomach. But generally, as I said, that's the number one reason runners come to our product. They hear from a friend, didn't kill my stomach like those gels I was using or those sports drinks and things. And then to go further to your question of how else is this being used? We've become the um, number one selling nutrition product at Lifetime Fitness for the last several years. And there we are used as the primary weight loss nutritional tool by personal trainers with their clients. They tell them to use you can before they come to see them. You'll be less hungry at the end. You'll have a better workout, second half. But they tell them to use it in their daily diet, at least once a day to replace the least healthy carbs in their diets.
0: Can you say more about how they're, how they're doing that or what that application is? Because obviously well, there's going to be people listening to this who the idea of changing their body composition and dropping weight is going to be uh, something they're very interested in. So if you're trying to
1: to draw, to, to change your body. It doesn't always involve a lot of weight loss. It usually involves some weight loss, but so the first, the simplest thing, if you want to drop some pounds is you replace some carb in your daily diet with, with you can, if you're having um, cereal bagels, oatmeal for breakfast, consider a healthy, you shake as your breakfast, turn it into a shake. You want to have a couple of eggs with it. They don't spike your butcher and your insulin, all power to you at 10 30 at work. You shouldn't feel like you need a snack. You should feel good energy, both to your muscles and your brain. By the way, if you're not, if you're not on a keto diet, if you're not in ketosis, the only th- thing that feeds your brain is glucose. Mm-hmm. We've had emails from a couple of parents, a few parents who've told us their kids do better in school with attention deficit issues when they have UCAM for breakfast, because you get a steady energy to the brain instead of a spike and crash from your breakfast, an hour and a half later, you're sitting in math class. So you feel that steady energy through lunch. At 3.07 in the afternoon, the peak of hunger and fatigue at work, instead of reaching for a protein bar or a cliff bar or a kind bar, have a stable blood sugar UCAN bar. You'll feel good the next couple of hours or at night. If you're a nighttime snacker, I, I was actually myself out of control about seven years ago, took my own advice. I turned the UCAN powder. This may have been even more than seven years. I don't think we had bars yet. So I turned that into a dessert shake and would have it an hour, about eight o'clock, about an hour after my dinner every night. And I cut out a lot of calories because I was, when I say I was out of control, I was like 600 to a thousand calories at night. I worked till. This is a problem I have, but I'm not a good sleep guy. So I worked at one in the morning, five-hour window to eat junk while I was working. My daughter made brownies. They'd be half gone by the morning. The class didn't get them. I was really bad. So I didn't eat anything else. I didn't feel I needed to. For for four months, lost 28 pounds.
0: Wow. So wait, so what was your dessert shake? How'd you make that?
1: Well, at that time, I took, um, well, we still have a version of it. It was just an older version. Our chocolate protein powder, which has some super starch in it for better satiety, blood sugar control, I would would throw in... um, uh, unsweetened almond milk, some spinach, um, either some nut butter or, or some uh, peanut butter powder and blend that all up with ice and turn it into a good 20 ounce shake. And I, I didn't have any issues not eating the rest of the night.
0: I, I haven't done the UCAN version of that, but um, but that's yeah. my, <laughs> that's actually one of my favorite evening snacks is like the protein powder version of that without the UCAN part. I'll have to try the UCAN version.
1: Just, yeah, just throw in some, just
0: makes all, everything last longer. You know, this is going to sound totally ridiculous, but I have no problem putting spinach in a shake if I'm having it in the morning. For some reason, when I'm doing it at night, my brain just doesn't want to do it. <laughs> it's completely, it's like mental accounting. It makes no sense. It just, it, you know, I, I don't know what it is. I'll have to, I'll have to see if I can break it.
1: I, I personally actually dislike cooked spinach. But in a shake, it just makes it creamy. I know.
0: Yeah. No, there's no flavor. I again, this is totally irrational. I understand what spinach does and doesn't do in a shake, but in my head, it's like I can do that in the morning. I can't do that at night, and I hadn't realized that till just now. So I'm gonna have to. I'm gonna have to play with that because that is spinach. That's just a few. I know. I just like if I discover a pattern that I have, I like trying to see if I can break it. So I've been I've been doing. This is way too much information. I've been doing a thing lately where I make sure I'm putting my underwear on with the other leg first, than the one I've been using for most of my life. So in other words, I realized- so you
1: that don't have patterns in your life that you're stuck with?
0: I'm sure I do, but whenever I find one, I try to see if I can snap out of it. So I realized I was putting my pants underwear first, sometimes um, on left leg first. And so I've been learning to do right leg first. And it's really weird and awkward. Uh, for a while, years ago, I did a thing with crossing my arms, and now I can't remember which way I used to cross my arms habitually. And I just, you know, switch pretty effortlessly. And well, I
1: we don't want to have too much information. I won't ask you the order of how you wash yourself in the shower if you vary that arms, arms, <laughs> chest.
0: I can do the the magic. The magic question is: This is a question for guys. Is do you actively wash your legs, or do you just let the soap, you know, kind of drip down and assume that that was good enough? That's a question for most men. Women think that question is absurd. Um, I will not tell you which I do or don't do.
1: Okay.
0: Well, I definitely watched my legs, but okay. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, yeah, yeah. Um, I know I had another question, uh, but from this topic, uh, we got way off it. And I don't know where the hell it is. Um, what have oh, I missed?
1: You asked about usage. You did ask oh, about yeah,
0: Yeah. Um, Well, uh, basically, no, part of it was just, you know, how like normal people do things. If I asked something else, I don't remember what it was because we already addressed the the, quote normal people um, and we dove into how people are using this for body recomposition, which is very interesting. Are you seeing any, this is going to sound kind of wacky.
1: Well, I should actually tell you something about body composition uh, because there's something that there's something about it that makes our product actually more important for women than men. Interesting. So when you're trying to change your body composition, there's a window that your body will utilize more fat during exercise, right? You can you can you can best change your body if you don't spike your insulin before you exercise. Right. But there's also a 2 to 4 hour window post exercise where your body continues to burn fat unless you shut it off. And you could do that by having a bunch of carbs right after you, you know. So so when the lifetime fitness trainers are help, helping their clients change their bodies, they say don't go out, go down to the cafe and have a double banana smoothie with 60 grams of sugar right after your workout because if you don't But you can have you can if you'd like. Your body will continue to burn fat for a number of hours. That's interesting. Women are far more insulin sensitive than men. By the way, I should I should have said this way up front. I'm not a scientist nor a nutritionist. I just repeat what all the experts that we work with tell me. Right. So this was from Dr. Kathy Yeckel. She's a metabolism researcher at Yale that works with us. Uh, She's an advisor to us, and she explained that women are more insulin sensitive. So women have a more focused amount of a focused window on when they can actually burn fat throughout the day. And it's with exercise. Women can't burn fat like men throughout the day. It's easier Mm -hmm. for men to do it. And as you eat things that spike your insulin, women will shut off that fat burning capability more quickly and more significantly than men. So women need to take advantage of making sure they don't even more so than men. If they're trying to change their bodies to burn fat, to lose some of that, they especially don't want to have any simple carbs before they exercise and shut
0: off that opportunity to do that because
1: they would have spiked their
0: insulin. And then afterwards, afterwards keeping the fat burning going by not having carbs, which is interesting because the typical advice, which has been disproven, but I'll say it this way, to begin, is that what you're supposed to do after a hard workout, especially resistance training, is high carbohydrate, high protein, the carb to spike your insulin and bring the protein into the cells. Brad Schoenfeld and a number of others have demonstrated that that's not necessary, that there is no optimal protein window after working out. They talk
1: talk about the fact that the insulin response from protein alone is enough to drive protein synthesis and drive those nutrients to the muscle. And especially if you're trying to change your body and you're trying to develop more muscle and less fat. You don't have to have that spike post-workout.
0: Right, yeah, it's um, it's amazing how some of these things, uh, these ideas, continue despite the screamingly obvious research. That oh, I know what the question was that I forgot. Uh, Despite the screamingly obvious research saying, yeah, that's all mythology, and here's reality. And the mythology is there's this anabolic window after you work out where you need to have a lot of carbs and a lot of protein, otherwise, you know, you're wasting everything. And the research shows that that's completely not true. And that was the question, which is so. What do you think it's going to take? To get from out get out from being under yeah, out work, from being under the radar, and having yeah. more people really get what you're doing and and be integrating this into their lives.
1: Yeah, our biggest challenge. Uh, and by the way, I didn't mean you don't need the spike post workout. I mean you don't need the additional carbs to get an additional spike because you right. can get it from the protein. Right. Um, yeah. So our biggest challenge as a company, because we do have enormous implications for virtually anyone to improve their metabolic health and thereby improve their overall health improve their fitness, help with weight loss, help with diabetes. We don't spike insulin, so we're not working the pancreas. So we don't contribute to the issue that causes type 2 diabetes. And we help with hunger, which helps you correct, ultimately, if you're working on that type 2 diabetes. Most of it is reversible. We have all these opportunities. So, of course, one, one uh, point, it's not the main one, is that we can't focus on everything. We're still a relatively small company. Right. You've got to focus. So right now we've been focused on fitness and performance. And we'll get to those other things, uh, weight loss and diabetes uh, at the right time or through through uh, uh, significant partnerships. But our biggest problem is that our super starch is so counterintuitive, a carb that doesn't act like a carb, a carb that allows you to stay in ketosis. Yeah. It makes no sense to anybody. And, and it's actually not very believable until yeah. you try it, or until you read the science. We have a bunch of uh, clinical trials that have been conducted. We haven't paid for some of them, so it's very authentic. Uh, all at universities, no private institutions that conduct these trials. So we have we have a lot of data, uh, scientific data. So every sale we've had over the last 10 years has been an influenced sale, right. virtually every sale.
0: Right.
1: It's either a trainer, a nutritionist, a coach. It could be a friend telling a friend, plenty of word of mouth, but the story always has to be told to at least some extent. And, and in fact, it's so true that we have to pull ourselves off of uh, shelves at uh, 340 Sprout stores. So we were on, we were in Sprouts, and we we just could not differentiate on the front of a package uh, how different and important the product was and useful to people. We had to set up so many demo tables in these stores across the country just to move the product. We pulled out of that. We only sell direct now to Lifetime Fitness, directly to about 300 uh, or 350 running, bike, and triathlon stores where it's a very consultative sales environment. People can people ask questions. So right. as long as we make sure the uh, the salespeople and the store owners are familiar with our products. They have the opportunity to tell people about them. And then we sell directly to the pro and college teams. Other than that, we're direct to consumer now. We can tell our story online, get somebody to watch a video, listen to an, a, 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 an influencer, talk about the products through a quote or a video or something. So, and, and, then, and then we also haven't paid all the athletes and teams to use their names. Right. Uh, I told you we have 21 NFL teams buying this product. There's a team out there that's played in several Super Bowls over the last 11 years. They played them all on UCAN, and they used UCAN before it was even a product. I delivered to that team white powdered plastic bags, and yes, believe it or not, they used it. I had a credible, credible referral into that uh, dietitian. But we have all kinds of top athletes, winners of CrossFit games. We've had teams using UCAN win every college and professional basketball, hockey, and football championship, but we're still under the radar. Yeah. Oh, by the way, we didn't even have a head of marketing until two years ago, but now we do. And he's figuring out how to make sure the messages that are usually kind of one-to-one or one-to-a-few.
0: Well, you know, you, I'm going to say two things. The first is, look, if I think it's a good thing when the experience sells the product more than anything else, because then you know you've got real legs. You know there's a there, there. I mean, you already knew this, but but that's the kind of thing that makes something spread. I mean, look, we have the same thing happening here. This a story. Say again? This has been
1: your story, right? It's yeah, here. I
0: was going to say it's the same thing. People put on a pair of zero shoes, they go, "Oh my god!" and then they tell their friends. And thanks, you know, to other things like being on Shark Tank, people are aware of who we are. But the biggest thing is people are going, "Oh my god, you got to wear these!" and that it's the majority of our business. Uh, and so that's the good news. I think the the second thing I'll say is. You know, I probably could have done a better job in the intro to this conversation about pattern interrupt people and get them to think just to go, wait, what? And just to get their mind open just enough to get to the next sentence that you can lead them into the story. So I did something with uh, our product. I have a a video. It's at zeroshoes.com slash comfy. And the opening line is, do your feet feel better at the end of the day than they did at the beginning of the day? And it makes people ask. And then I just go on about why regular shoes cause problems and you know what the solution is. I don't mention zero shoes. It's a 10-minute, four-second video. I don't think I mentioned zero shoes till like the eight-minute and 30-second mark because I'm just telling the story. And that video does something that most marketers think is impossible. It walks people who are from... Being in a position where they're not even thinking about shoes, let alone thinking about buying shoes or looking at shoes to buy, it, it stops them in their tracks and walks them through an entire story that makes them over and over and over go, oh my God, that makes sense and has some you know good chuckles in it as well. So it's entertaining. And then at the end, people go, they, they do one of two things. They either tell me I have my head completely up my butt, and then I just come back and show them all the research to back up everything I've said, to which they never respond, um, or they go, oh my god, I go I gotta go buy these. And most people think that you need to, you know, get them interested in the story, then hit them with more content and they need to see something seven times. And it's like, no, 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 people are smart. If you can make them go, oh man, that totally makes sense. But you have to start by getting them into the conversation with some pattern interrupting something, then you can do that. And so you guys have the ability to do the same thing. I mean, because the story is so counterintuitive, it can stop people in their tracks. You can explain it with some cool visuals that make people understand it. You do have enough testimonials and experiences and whatnot that you can add to that equation where I think think there's a there there for really blowing this thing up. I mean, just, you know, my marketing two cents.
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, there's a reason all those... Coaches and dietitians are uh, yeah. using our product with their athletes and Lifetime's using it as a primary weight loss tool. It's not because we've been a good marketing company historically.
0: Right. I mean, the irony, this is going to sound somewhat upside down, is that Having pro athletes use something can be good, but it's often less good than normal people who've had incredible results. Because well, people have those
1: tens of thousands of people lifetime, so I think it's our best.
0: Exactly, exactly. For, you know, and and um, I mean, I hope it happens for you because you know. Look, the reason we're having this conversation, and this is a little tangential for the podcast because I don't talk about nutrition very often, is because there's so few people who actually are doing anything different, although it doesn't have to be different, anything real that I get approached all the time. It's like, hey, can we talk about my whatever the hell it is? And I go, no because I know that it's science. There's no there there for what you said. We have a lot of testimonials. Yeah, I get it. But there's nothing behind what you're saying other than placebo effects. With this conversation, a whole different game. I mean, I find this fascinating. And I think, I mean, I'm having a flashback to when we first talked and you said, yeah, we have this super starch that, you know, it gets digested really slowly and it's not like resistant starch. I said, do you have this weird like heating and cooling process that you go through? Because immediately it occurred to me, the only thing you could have done is somehow made a very long chain carbohydrate. That's the only thing that would do that. And of course- uh, Reverse thinker, Steve. i am being surprised
1: myself <laughs> so familiar with that concept. Uh,
0: well, you know, I've been around, and I'm, uh, yeah, I, I. But, but more importantly, um, you know, ditto. Meeting someone equally uh, as as who, who's taken a dive into some things and looked for answers where people didn't even know there were questions. You know, that's what I always find fascinating about our conversations, and why I wanted to have this with people. So here we are. Plus,
1: it was out of necessity, and and you're right, though. Um, there are very few. Food nutrition companies that are anything but off-the-shelf ingredients. Right. Now, in fact, there's a lot of companies that call themselves food technology, but when not even close. Oh off my God!
0: Shelf. I had a friend way back when. And we haven't talked in years because we just travel in different paths. He was he was a consultant for companies who wanted to create nutritional supplement companies, and it was all like, how do we mix and match the things that exist so you can claim that what you have is somehow different than what what else is on the shelf? And it's all the same stuff. It's just you know variations of a theme. of a theme.
1: Yeah. Right. It came out of necessity for us, obviously. And everything for us was accidental discoveries, except for just helping Jonah. So it's been it's been quite amazing, actually.
0: No, it's fascinating. I mean, in fact, it was the one question that was popping into my head and we can just dive into this for a little bit is to go from, hey, here's these kids who are in this horribly compromised situation and they have to eat cornstarch to thinking, huh, I wonder if there's a better way that we can do something similar, but that would be even better that isn't like eating cornstarch. I mean, that just that one little twist of thinking, how the hell did that happen? Because that's craziness.
1: That's a story in and of itself. So I will tell you that originally we were a biotech startup. We were hoping to cure Jones disease. Oh, interesting. We abandoned that fairly early on and instead focused on, you know, better helping manage the disease. So Jonah's parents had started years ago when he was, you know, one year old, he's now 17. They had started a not-for-profit organization to fund anyone in the world that was interested in working on curing Jonah's disease. And it, it happens that it's an interesting disease to try to cure. Yeah. It's been resolved in the mouse and the dog models. And, and now there's even human trials. So not not ours, unfortunately, but, you know, but, but quite fortunately, someone. So they had a foundation. They raised millions of dollars. They approached a biotech, a very very successful biotech entrepreneur in Connecticut, which is where we're all based, and said, "Will you help me cure this disease? Will your company help me cure it?" It wasn't the right solution for their company. They weren't going to work in the spaces of gene therapy replacement. That's not what their company did. Mm. He became an advisor to their nonprofit. Uh, I was acquainted with him through my synagogue, actually, and and uh, we were in Fiddler on the Roof together, and we got talking. And <laughs> you know, I was I was a I was a tech startup guy at the time. I had my own tech company and. I got really interested in the family, and this was my first, personally, my first opportunity to be involved in something that was going to help individuals. Not, I'll use the word just, even though I enjoyed it for many years. Not just help companies be more efficient in their businesses. Right. That's right. what I was focused on in my tech companies. So I just fell into this thing that way, and and um, we did all kinds of research. We talked to researchers at the World Health Organization. We every kind of card you can think of was looked at all kinds of cooking processes took years to uh, figure out, as I mentioned, this cooking process. So there's a whole lot, you know, there's more of the story, but, um, it was all just kind of one step after the next step, you know, you just kind of take one and then you say, Oh, there's a question that comes up. You have to answer that question. And I guess if you thought back, if if I was to think back over the now, since 2006, it was probably, you know, hundreds or thousands of questions that just had to get answered one to the next, to the next, to the next. And just things we wondered
0: about. What what I love about this is um, the kind of experimenting and research and and iterating that it takes to go from just getting the idea that it's possible to, to creating a stable product. Um, that is so not the way my brain works. I don't have that kind of patience, that kind of you know uh, meticulousness. So anyone who's done that, I just adore because I know I couldn't. So I just love that um, that you guys were able to. It's I certainly
1: it's, didn't know I could. I'd never. Invented a product before. Now I'm the guy responsible for product development in the company.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, inventing products that I've done, but what it takes to you know to do the kind of molecular transformation that you're talking about—that's a whole different kind of bench science. That's you know that's amazing to me. Um, The developing products—that's my favorite thing. But if I can't, my favorite thing is when I have an idea for a product and then someone else comes up with it, because then I go, "Oh, thank God, I can just buy it now. I don't have to start a company." (laughs) That's not
1: the way I think. When I somebody comes up with an idea that I thought of. I'm well, no, but see, the thing good is, for them, good for them. But
0: well, but the thing is that I've I had so many, there was a time where, cause every time I had some new idea for some new product, we, you know, we created a new corporate entity for it. There was a time where we were managing like nine companies and uh, Lena just thought that was getting a little, a little much. So the fact that we've only focused on zero shoes for 11 and a half years makes her very happy. But um, I'm uh,
1: thinking but, back yeah. to 1999 right now, when uh, a partner of mine in the tech world and I we developed an idea called GiveCash.com. What is it? GiveCash.com. Okay. And we even talked to, um uh, it was a mechanism for people to give money to their college students or to their friends. Right. And then we worked on it that summer. and But in November, right before Christmas season, shopping season, PayPal came out. And so we well, abandoned our work because it had a lot of similarities.
0: Yeah, which and 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 I've been around long enough to know that you know PayPal evolved out of X.com. so that's a you know that's a whole other thing. But yeah, no, we all have stories of the one that got away yeah. or the one that didn't. Oh, sure. I could show you the drawings that I made in nineteen ninety one for three D printing. It occurred to me one wow. day. For I don't know how. It occurred to me that if you could took, you know, take the right composite and just take, a, take, take two lasers and direct them properly, you could take something that was just you know, basically um, uh, any sort of soft material and make it hard. Like, so I just mapped that out. I ha- I'm not an engineer. I just popped into my head one day. Or around that same time, I did have one of the first personal digital assistants, and I started thinking how you could expand that by putting in all these other features that took 15 years, so they showed up in smartphones. So. I didn't have the skill set to take to turn those into anything. I'm thrilled that I could buy one of these things now and not have to deal with it. You know, yes, there's all these thoughts of the billions of dollars and blah blah blah, but uh, whatever, that's a whole other story. Um, so, is there anything else happening for you that we want to tell people about before we can just tell them how they can experience this for themselves and see what kind of results they have?
1: You know, you touched on all of it, or, or in our that's- conversation, we did. There's a lot of ways to think of trialing it and using it, and. We're always available to answer questions. So
0: then the let best people-
1: way to try it for exercise, the way a lot of our pro athletes try it for exercise for the first time, is they'll use it for a few workouts, often like a week, and then not use it the following week. Do whatever it was you did previously. You don't miss it. You don't need it. And the two obvious effects, you're not as tired and you're not as hungry at the end of your workout.
0: That's great. And so if they want to um, get their hands on some product and get it into their bodies to do that kind of experiment, tell them how they can do that.
1: Well, we're, we're at UCAN.co. You can ucan.co. We're on Amazon, but if they want, they should take advantage of the um link that uh, we gave to you through Zero. This Uh-oh. is a discount, so you should. Uh maybe get that out to people.
0: I will put that in the show notes um, so that they can get the benefits of um, what you offered with that link. And I'll make a note about that in the show notes as well. So um, that sounds totally, and wherever else we post this, I'll put it there too. So um, anything else we left out, Peter? No,
1: thank you for uh, giving me the time today, Steve. You're you're, you're really good at at the questions and the conversation. I really appreciate it.
0: Oh, that's very kind of you. I just... I just I like to be useful to people. Thanks. I agree. I think the same. So for people who do try, you can, you know, make sure you leave in the comments what your experience is. We want to hear more about that. And again, just about the podcast in general, go to www.jointhemovementmovement.com. Again, you'll find all the previous episodes, all the different ways to interact with us. If you have any questions, comments, people you want to recommend who should be having a conversation with me or anything you want me to rant about, because I do some rants as well, um, drop an email, move at jointhemovementmovement.com. Happy to do that as well. Most importantly, I can't think of anything else other than, oh, again, you know, Zero Shoes, if you want to get some super comfy shoes, you know where to go, shoes.com. But most importantly, go out, have fun, and live life feet first.